I went to trial for three days and got found guilty. And I got sentenced to life plus 100 years. And I was 19. Lewis Dooley's time in prison ended up being the best thing that ever happened to him. It's there where he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. And when he did, he wanted to tell his fellow inmates about the hope they could find in Jesus. But that came with its own challenges. And so the first person I encountered was a white guy with a swastika on his forehead. He was the Aryan Brotherhood dude. You're listening to the finale of the Christ to Their Community series on GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Michael Sherbet. After Lewis shares his story of incarceration and redemption, you're going to hear Billy Graham with a word on how one day we'll all be on trial. Some of you listening to me are saying, God certainly won't judge me. I'm not a bad sinner. I've never committed very many sins. But how many sins must you commit to be a sinner and come under the judgment of God? The Bible says only one. More from Billy Graham a little later on. If you missed any of the previous episodes of this series, Christ to Their Community, you can catch them by subscribing to GPS on your podcast app. In fact, we've got almost 300 episodes you can listen to. Just search for GPS, God, People, Stories. GPS, God, People, Stories. My mother is Italian, my father's black, so I was always mixed. And I grew up in an all-black environment where I never fit in because my skin wasn't dark enough and my hair was too straight. So I got picked on a lot, made fun of, kids would make fun of my mother. So it was, um, wasn't a fun childhood growing up. Louis Dooley grew up in a tough neighborhood outside of St. Louis. And about the only exposure he got to Christianity was through his great-grandmother. I remember her hold my hand, went through this dangerous park and we'd go to church and she'd have rehearsal for the ushers. And I, I remember she'd give me a piece of double mint gum, buy me a cold Pepsi and I'd fall asleep on the pew and wake up when it was time to go. And that was it. That was the only influence I ever had with church or with God and that which was really nothing. Now, a lot of people I meet in the church world, they were raised a certain denomination. I say I was raised heathen. Since Lewis felt like an outcast in his neighborhood, he dedicated himself to his schoolwork. School is where I found solace because my mother knew the stuff that was going on. There wasn't really anything she could do about it. So she was like, look, if you want to get out of this situation and get somewhere in life, you'll go to school and get good grades so you can go to college and achieve the American dream or whatever. So I poured myself into school and I became pretty good at school. I was pretty smart. I was in gifted classes. So, you know, that became like my friend, if you will, because school didn't judge me. It didn't make fun of me. It didn't try to beat me up. So... Um, that part became okay in life. Um, and I managed to make a few friends, but it was still kind of rough. Lewis's focus on schoolwork kept him out of trouble for much of his childhood. But that changed after tragedy struck when Lewis was 15. My father was, I call him a street guy. Um, I know he used drugs. I know he sold drugs. He was a womanizer, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, when I was 15, I remember one day coming home from school and my mother told me that he had been murdered in a drug deal gone wrong. Because Lewis's father was absent for most of Lewis's life, his death had even more impact. We didn't have much interaction at all, actually. And so, you know, it really like stopped that from happening by him being dead. And so that hurt that I had turned into to anger um, and that anger turned into me not really caring about life, you know, myself or anybody else's life. It wasn't long until Lewis found himself deep in the kind of trouble he had avoided for so much of his childhood. 
I felt like if I became like him and did some of the things he did, that it would make me feel close to him because then I could maybe identify with what his life must have been like. And so I immediately I knew he sold marijuana. I know he smoked marijuana. So I started selling it. I started smoking it um, throughout high school. What started as a way for Lewis to feel closer to the father who was never around soon turned into a life that was spiraling out of control. By my senior year of high school, because I had become somewhat addicted to marijuana, I couldn't make the money from the marijuana that I wanted. I started selling crack cocaine. That put me around a different uh, group of individuals um, who were a lot more violent than the individuals I had been dealing with. And so because of that, I felt the need to want to protect myself because I had uh, been at gunpoint a few times being robbed and my life being threatened. And so that caused me to want to protect myself. So I could have chose to stop and flee that lifestyle. But instead, I was like, no, you ain't going to do me like that. I got to get you. So that sent me on a robbing spree to start robbing gun shops and pawn shops for guns because I wasn't old enough to purchase them. Eventually, Lewis got caught for the gun robberies. I went into the police station, lied to them and said it wasn't me. And they took my statement. They fingerprinted me. They put me in the lineup and they let me go. <laughs> and so I was like, wow, man, I'm a, I knew I could tell some good lies. But man, I didn't know I was going to lie my way out of this one. Rather than being scared straight after his arrest, Lewis was emboldened by his escape from the law. I just went back to business as usual, selling drugs. I got into some altercations. I got in some drive-by shootings. You know, all kind of crazy stuff was just happening. Man, my life was like the wild, wild west. And so eventually I had a court date and I went to trial for three days and got found guilty. And I got sentenced to life plus 100 years. And I was 19. On his first day in prison, Lewis received a mysterious package. I went into this day room area and I sat down on an empty bunk And as soon as I sat down, it seemed like immediately another guy with a jumpsuit on approached me with a cardboard box with a lid on it. And he just put it down in front of my feet and he turned and left. He didn't say anything to me. I ain't say anything to him. So I kind of looked around and and I was already like, okay, I had visited some friends in prison before. Uh, We talked about prison on the streets with other guys that had been in prison. And so I felt like I had a good idea what life looked like and what I needed to do to defend myself and handle myself so nothing uh, bad happened to me. And so I thought this guy was trying to make a move on me. So I opened the box and sure enough, um, it, it was it was real because there were like uh, candy bars and honey buns and stuff like that. Lewis felt like he only had one choice to make in this situation. And where I'm from, you just don't give somebody something for nothing. You know, there's strings attached. So I was like, OK, yeah, this dude tried to get up on me. So I got to go try to kill this dude. Because I was a pretty extreme guy and I felt like if, you know, drastic times call for drastic measures. And so I figured if I killed this guy, or at least if I tried to kill him, then that would garner me some sort of respect. And maybe I didn't I didn't want to be known as some tough guy. I just didn't want nobody to bother me. You know, I wasn't going to bother nobody. I didn't want nobody to bother me. When Lewis went to this other inmate cell, he was completely caught off guard. Later that night, I saw what cell he was in. I went into his cell to try to kill him. And him and two other guys was in there having Bible study. Then the guy I went to get was reading. And he stopped reading and looked up at me and asked me if I believed in God. And I said, nope, I believe in evolution. And that was just something I learned in school. And so uh, he handed me a little pamphlet, which I learned later was a Bible track. And then they looked at me as if to say, you can leave now. So I left. This was definitely not your average evangelistic approach. But it got Lewis thinking. The reality of where I was at started setting in. And I was like, I can't even do this right. 
And I was like, I can't do nothing right. And I'm like, man, I had dreams, aspirations in my life, and that's dead. Everything I wanted to do in life was dead, and so I might as well just be dead. And so I just wanted to kill myself. And uh, I didn't have any means in which to do that. And so I opened this Bible track up, and it just, you know, it started talking about creation, talked about Adam and Eve, original sin, took me down to Romans Road, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.33, Romans 10.9 and 10, and uh, talked about having a hope in the future in Jeremiah 29, and that, that I could have a new life, and that my sins would be forgiven, and that my consequences wouldn't go away, but I could have a new life in Christ. And I believe the Holy Spirit was really working on my heart and my mind because I really was understanding this stuff um, in a supernatural way. And uh, I gave my life to Christ that first day. The Prisons Chapel worked with a ministry that's actively involved with sharing Christ with inmates and helping them grow in their faith. It also provides correspondence courses for inmates. I got this book from Emmaus Worldwide. They uh, published Bible courses to people everywhere in the world. And Set Free Ministries use those courses for prisoners in their ministry. It's a specific prison ministry. <clears throat> and as I did the first couple of courses, the individual who started Set Free Ministries actually was coming in to do a live Bible study in that prison. His name was Randy Gruber. So I started going to his Bible study. I was taking these Emmaus courses through Set Free Ministries. And I really started to grow in my knowledge of the Word of God. I mean, they're Bible people. They're all about the Word. And so I'm, I'm a Bible guy. I'm all about the Word. So... Uh, that's what formed me spiritually. And that's what I started learning the word of God through set free ministries. And it was great. As Lewis gained a deeper understanding of the Bible, he began to sense that he needed to do more than just read the Bible. I felt God saying I need to do more. And the craziest thing I felt God tell me to do was to start going out and talking to people about Jesus evangelism. And I was like, ain't no way in the world like it's rough out there. Like I might get stabbed, beat up, killed. Like I don't want to do that. And it just, it wouldn't leave me alone. So Lewis spoke with his Bible study partner, a fellow inmate by the name of Willie. And they came up with a simple plan. Lewis would strike up conversations with other guys during recreation time, while Willie would remain in constant prayer. And I remember I went out there and I was like, I, as I was walking out to the yard, I was like, okay, Lord, like you've always protected me. You've always seen me through I know you're going to be the same God. Your word says you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I'm going out here. And so the first person I encountered was a white guy with a swastika on his forehead. He was the Aryan Brotherhood dude. And I was like, oh, man, like they don't even want you to talk to him unless you're white. And, unless, and some white people, they don't even want to talk to him because they like cool with, with minorities. So I got close to this guy and he stopped. I didn't invade his personal space. That's about five, six feet. And I just looked at him, man, and all I could get out of my mouth was, do you believe in God? And he just turned his head and walked off. And I was like, wow, like, this dude didn't cuss me out. He didn't try to fight me. He didn't try to stab me. He didn't threaten my life. Like, man, maybe this ain't bad. So then for the next about hour, I walked the track and talked to different dudes about Jesus. While Lewis may not have seen any on-the-spot conversions, he was excited by his first venture in evangelism. He and Willie were even able to get permission from the warden to start up their own Bible study program with the other inmates. And they partnered with Randy from Set Free Ministries. And here's how that worked. Lewis and Willie had basic discussions with an inmate. And as that man's faith grew, he would start attending Randy's study. And Lewis and Willie were seeing God change men's lives in profound ways. 
I saw people giving their life to Christ. I saw people who were denouncing their gang. I saw people who were coming out of Aryan Brotherhood and, and getting baptized. I know guys that were stabbed um, because they denounced their things, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, I never I don't think I would have had the strength to do that. You know, and so I see guys like that. And I'm like, wow, the strength, the faith and what God gave those guys. Man, I, I haven't encountered any people like that out here on the street. I'm sure there are some. But, you know, these were some mighty men right here that God, God made them mighty men that had a faith they have and to endure what they went through. Lewis was imprisoned with two life sentences and 100 years. But it turns out he wasn't going to have to serve that much time. All of a sudden, one day, the parole board sent me a letter telling me that I was going to have a uh, hearing come up. And I was like, OK, I'll go. So I went. It was really quick. And it made sense. Like, they're not going to let me go. So like guys that had one life sentence, they were making them do at least like 20 years. And I know a couple guys just had a robbery. I had two robberies and I had two lives in 100 years at that point because that that gun shop had caught up with me and I got two life sentences for that. And so there was guys on 20, 25 years for just one robbery. And I had multiple plus a shooting. So I'm like, yeah, they're going to keep me. And so it was quick, the hearing. And so I thought they're not going to let me go. So why waste my time and waste their time? And so six weeks later came and they told me they were going to let me go home in two and a half more years. And I was like, what? I just started crying and said, thank you, Jesus. When Lewis finally walked out of prison, the last thing he wanted to do was go back. But God had a plan. I got out after just 15 and a half years of prison. And I told God, I'll do everything, anything you want me to do except prison ministry. Like, I don't want to go back. And he gave me about a year and a half to work at a coffee roasting company. And I don't like the smell or taste of coffee. So God definitely got a sense of humor. And uh, after a year and a half, God basically said, I want you to go back. So an opportunity came for me to work for Set Free Ministries out here on the outside as a missionary. Lewis has been with Set Free Ministries ever since. During that time, God has continued to use Lewis to reach inmates with the love of Christ. Like to this day, for, for a human being to say that I had any kind of impact in their life that would make them want to follow Christ, man, that's, that's, that's a miracle. To me, it is, and it's the greatest thing that's ever been said about me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all because of God, because there ain't nothing about me, nothing at all about me. Among the prisons where Lewis ministers are the ones where he served time. And because of that, he's able to see the results from the time he was an inmate. But one prison in particular, the second one I was in for just two and a half years, Algoa, I went into that prison uh, maybe about 2018, went in there and did a chapel service and a bunch of guys came in. And before the service started, I saw a guy come in and it was a guy who I got into an altercation with on the basketball court when I was in prison, and he punched me. And I turned the other cheek. You know, I didn't swing back, and that was hard. He had a first-degree murder charge. He was a Muslim guy. And so I saw him walking in his door. After Lewis shared his message, he opened the time for any questions or comments. And that man from Lewis's past had something to say. He said, you know, Lewis was a guy who I used to antagonize in prison. And I used to try to push his buttons and always make him mess up because I knew he was a Christian. And he said, this guy had an impact in my life, and now I follow Christ. And I just broke down in tears, man. I'm like, I can't even believe this, man. Like, man, this is incredible, man. Incredible.
Louis Dooley's life wasn't changed by his prison sentence, but through the love of Jesus Christ. If you want to know how God's love can give you peace and redemption, go to findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. And if you're a Christian who's wondering how you can serve in this kind of community, keep listening because Lewis has a word of encouragement for you. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I've preached in many prisons throughout the world. I've talked to many inmates. Billy Graham. Most of these men and women appeared normal in every respect. I talked to one man who had only committed one crime in his whole life, murder. But how many times must you kill to be a murderer? Only once. Some of you listening to me are saying, God certainly won't judge me. I'm not a bad sinner. I've never committed very many sins. But how many sins must you commit to be a sinner and come under the judgment of God? The Bible says only one. When I stand at the gate of heaven, I'm going to throw myself on the mercy of the court. I'm going to cling to the cross. My only reason for being in heaven will be the grace of God and the cross of Jesus Christ. His grace is greater than my sin. His mercy is greater than my iniquities. And there's one thing invisible to God, and that is my sins when they were under the blood of Christ. When you accept the forgiveness given to you by Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross, your sins don't convict you anymore. If you'd like to know more about this, visit us at findpeacewithgod.net. It shows you what a relationship with Christ is all about through some short videos and other content, and even the option to chat with a trained volunteer in real time. One last word from our guest on this episode of GPS. His name is Louis Dooley, and he has some encouragement for you if the thought of serving a prison community makes you nervous. My plea is, hey, you ain't going to get it as bad if you go into a jail. The prison is actually people who want to hear and they're not going to bite you. Most of them are ready and they take a shower and they brush their teeth before they come. And they need to know who Jesus is, too. I think there needs to be more compassion in the Christian community towards people in prison and jail. Why not go to a place that's receptive? What a great point, because, you know, sometimes the darkest places are where people are most receptive. Well, a big thank you to Louis Dooley for taking time to share his story of redemption with us and for his passion to share the love of God with prisoners. And thank you for joining us on our Christ to Their Community series. If you'd like to learn more about Set Free Ministries and the work that Lewis is doing, we'll have links to their website in the show notes. Lewis also has a book about his experiences called Prison Saved My Life, and I recommend it for everyone. And Michael, that I recommend it for everyone. That's that's part of the title. Yes, I do recommend it for everyone, (laughs) but I, I recommend it for everyone is part of the title. Full title again. Full title, Prison Saved My Life, and I recommend it for everyone. And if you'd like to grab a copy, we'll have a link for that in the show notes as well. Well, we'll be back later this year for the final series of 2022. And make sure you're subscribed to GPS on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our return. And when you search for GPS, just be sure to use the full name, GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Michael Sherbet. This is GPS, God, People, Stories, an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news.